0: Who stalks the stalkers? When a foul stench is noticed coming from the apartment of a 70 year old man, neighbors fear the worst. Little did they know, the worst was more horrible than their wildest imagination. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Garminer. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing, whatever it is out there in the world. I hope it is grand. We got a lot of stuff to cover today. So, first off, running into Dead Rabbit Command, everyone give it up for one of our live stream contributors. Get on your feet and get those hands clapping for Spiced. Woohoo, <laughs> yeah, we ha! <laughs> this again is another live stream contributor from the Thanksgiving live stream of 2020. I think I gave you guys shout-outs already, but uh, I can't imagine it's been three years. But again, uh, you know, uh, maybe I did miss you, but I just want to make sure, I want to doubly make sure you guys get it spiced. Whether or not they still listen to the podcast, you're going to be our captain our pilot this episode. If you can't support the show financially, I totally understand, I really do. Money was tight in the year 2020. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your paranormal show. Technically, he's given me more money now, right, with inflation. The donation he made back then, I think it was two bucks. I think it's worth a good... I think it's worth a good two fifty now. So thanks, Spice. Or is that how inflation works? Is it actually less? Spice, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit dirigible. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. Fly us all the way out to a seemingly normal... Neighborhood. We're headed all the way out to this neighborhood. Like so many stories on the show, I don't have a specific location. However, I do know this this story does not take place in America. So if that this- <laughs> narrows it down for you, it could be Bangladesh, could be Beirut, I don't know. But we're in this uh, town that is not from America, and we're about to meet this little girl named Monica, and we watch her walking into her daycare. She's between the ages of four or five. This story took place about 13 years ago, so what would that be? 2010, this story took place, and she (laughs) walked—I don't know if I'm going to leave in that long pause as it took me to do that math— Monica. Walks into the daycare center and she sees all of her friends and she's like, "Hey guys!" and they're like, "Monica, yay! We're gonna learn about stuff. Really, we're just really we're just a babysitting group, but the uh, people here pretend to teach us and um, they get paid extra." So Monica walks in with her buddies and this place was staffed by four teachers and one student teacher, a young man named Charles. Monica said, you know, she uh, she's 17 now, so she's looking back at all of this from an adult or, you know, close to an adult lens. And children themselves are super observant. They're always constantly looking for social cues and how things work out. So there could have been an inkling in this as Monica was five, but definitely now that Monica's looking back on this story, she goes, something was up. And this is when it started. She goes, Charles took a... Very, very... Um, I'm trying to put this nicely. <laughs> she said she used the word creepy. So we'll go with that. I don't know this dude, but... She goes, Charles was creepy... The way he dealt with the girls. The girls of the daycare. Monica said he seemed to take... A special interest. In girls. And now looking back, she can definitely see that it's creepy. And like I said, she probably had a feeling back then. She goes, it's just creepy... One of the things he would often do is ask the little girls what they're doing for the weekend. Which, I guess, uh, just probably sitting there like a lump in front of YouTube, maybe having to go camping or something like that at the parents' house. They're five years old. They don't have any control over their lives. They're like, I don't know, I'll do whatever my parents say until I fall asleep. And they tell me when I fall asleep. And that's her life in the daycare. Charles just seemed to be, in a creepy way, interested in the lives of the little girls. Well, then Monica ends up graduating from daycare and starts elementary school. And a few months after she starts attending elementary school, Charles gets a job at that same school. Charles is now the groundskeeper at this elementary school. And Monica goes, every single break, recess, lunch, he would come up to me and talk to me. And now she's definitely getting old enough to kind of realize, at first she may not understand the intent behind it. Like, obviously you're getting gross. <laughs> like, oh, come on, Jason, seriously? This is a weird one. You think it's going one way, and then it zigs to the left, and then it, it's weird. So, um, it can get kind of gross, okay, I'm sorry, but it's not what you think. Or is it? No, it's not what you think. It's a weird story. So, Charles is talking to Monica, like, at all of her recesses and things like that. And she's now old enough to realize, hmm, that's weird that this adult wants to talk to me all the time. Plus, you're trying to play, like, Foursquare and stuff like that. And Charles is like, hey Monica, what's what are you doing this weekend? And she's like, damn it, I'm out again because I was talking to you. Instead of playing Foursquare. And if that wasn't creepy enough, right? You could right now could be like, Jason, maybe he's just like, maybe he's a lonely guy. Maybe just wants to talk to people and find out what makes them tick. Okay, fair. (laughs) Fair. But Monica would also realize as she was sitting in class, she every so often would look out the window. And Charles, okay, the story's so weird. Charles would be standing there staring at her while she was in class. And I don't think he did it all. Day, I don't think he did it all day long. Eventually, the principal's like, "Hey, uh, how come none of these leaves are rigged? How come none, none of our garbage cans are overflowed? Oh, you're staring into that classroom again. Sorry, I didn't mean to bug you." When Monica turned ten. She said the questions, the conversations got weirder. And for example, and I think she, he was, I think he was also talking to other girls about this stuff. I don't think he was just, I don't think he was just staring into her window. But she definitely noticed it when it was with him. And I think he's asking her and other girls questions like, "Have you had your first kiss yet?" Um, this next one I don't really want to. <laughs> This next one I don't really want to read. um, Because it's really creepy. But it was basically like. The next one I don't want to read. (laughs) Okay, we'll just end it with that. It's just a body development question. You can use your imagination. You're like, no, Jason, I don't want to use my imagination. I want you to stop talking about this. Trust me, this gets weird. Weirder than you think. You're like, I'm afraid. (laughs) That's what I'm afraid of. So anyways, Charles. Student teacher at the daycare. Monica goes to elementary school, quits his job at the daycare, gets a job as a custodian at the elementary school. Then, you know, elementary schools, what, to fifth grade, sixth grade in some places. Then, after elementary school, she goes to high school. I'm sure she did middle school in the middle, or, or I don't know. I don't know what country this is in again, right? But anyway, she's done with elementary school. She's now in high school. And guess who is one of the newest employees at the high school the year she starts? Charles. He got a job as a teacher's aide for a nonverbal girl in Monica's classroom. At this point, Monica feels like... It's a hostile learning environment. Like She's a high schooler. She totally knows what type of creepos are out there. She realizes that Charles is probably one of these guys. He's now followed her to three schools. She drops out of high school at 15. She just doesn't want to deal with it anymore. Because you would feel like that tightening noose, right? You would feel like, wow, there's something... Like, I didn't really think about it when I was 5. I was starting to think about it when I was 10. But now that I'm 15, I was like, this guy's a creepo. So, she drops out of high school. Now she's 17. She can still get her GED or whatever the equivalent is in her country. But she says, I drop out of high school. Now I'm 17 years old. And guess who just... Got a job at my neighbor's house. According to Monica, whenever she's home alone, Charles is working in her neighbor's garden. And you go, Jason, this has to be a mistake. Like, this... Well, she posted this online, and I had the same reaction as I'm reading it, as a lot of people were. That there's something off with the narrative. This guy who happened to work at the daycare quits, works at the elementary school. I mean, people tend to stay in education, but it is a little weird. He was moving up the grade levels with her. And you're like, okay, but he probably was a creep. Maybe not. Maybe it was just an education Then she drops out of high school and he's working at her neighbor's house in her garden while she's alone. And after telling us all of that, she says, quote, this line's just kind of dropped here in the middle of this, this narrative, quote, I've been on antipsychotic. Hold hold up, because again, this is this is just beginning that all that stuff, all that stuff was a warm up. This is a weird story. She goes, quote, I've been on antipsychotic medication for 19 months now, and I thought it might help with the situation with Charles, but it hasn't. And so you're thinking, oh, my God, is this a delusion? Like, has this guy named Charles been moving from school to school, but she's thinking of it wrong? She she's she she's having some sort of psychotic break and she's been having it for years I guess like when she's 5 like but she's definitely on antipsychotic medication now and she says too she goes quote this is the one thing regarding the story of Charles she goes quote this is the one thing i'm convinced isn't in my head he's watching from across the road as i type this She's also said, I don't know why, I probably should have included this earlier. She said that there have been times where he's tried entering her house while she's home alone. Like he's walking up, kind of jiggling the door handle. Now, a lot of people, there's really kind of a breakdown when she posted this online. You had people saying, you got to get like a doorbell camera, just like a regular camera, and just like document all of this stuff. Start tracking them. Let the police know about it. I'm reading all these responses cuz I was thinking she might just be having a psychotic break. But how was it connected to this guy from school? She posted this online as going by the name OKP4759. She's posting this and then I was reading the comments and there's someone by the username of Kitty Tail. This is really interesting cuz I was unaware of this uh kitty Co. well just call her uh, catherine catherine said that she worked with, she's worked with people with psychosis and she said this is really interesting she goes first off i'm going to say that i believe you because that's the safest thing to do it's like that makes sense right if someone's if someone even who has a history of psychosis is telling you something horrible is happening in their life. It's probably until, you, you know, confirm, what is it? You just Until you can confirm it either way, just be like, okay, I believe that what you're telling me is happening at home is happening at home. Now let's, you know, look into it. But anyways, that was interesting. I never saw that before. But uh, Catherine says she had a client once with a thing. This is terrifying. This thing called retroactive delusions. What happened was this client of hers met someone as an adult, believed that this man was stalking her, and remembered this guy stalking her throughout her life. An adult meets another adult, and then over time gets memories of being stalked in school by this same adult, said this guy kept getting a job at every school she worked at, working in the school cafeteria, and then working as the gym coach, and then working as the teacher at different schools. It wasn't wasn't a really busy person. Different schools throughout this girl's life. And she just met the person for the first time. And she created this entire backstory, and she truly believed that not only was this guy stalking her now, He had been stalking her for decades. And that is a thing called retroactive delusions. It rewrites the past. And Catherine goes, this client of mine had schizophrenia and it was just... Her entire life story was rewritten because she met this man. And I had never heard of such a thing. That's insane. I had never heard of retroactive delusions, which, I mean, totally flips the script, right? We base our life on our past. And what if all of a sudden you believed an event had happened over years of your life? You truly believed it. You remembered it. It'd be like you recording over a cassette. New songs. But the cassette looks the same just has different information on it. super weird. So I'm reading this, and when I came to that post by Catherine, I was like, that must be what this poor girl is going through. Because really, that's super egregious behavior. I mean, obviously, I'm pretty sure. I don't necessarily think it's illegal. It's definitely creepy if this guy's really doing this. And making her feel uncomfortable and asking all these questions. I'm sure there's laws. There actually is. It's called peeping Tom. You're not allowed to stare in people's windows. I don't even think even if it's a classroom window, if you're staring at someone, that's a fireable offense, I would assume. Monica's looking at all of this advice. Getting cameras, tracking devices, stuff like that. She also is looking at the advice Catherine gave. Said, you know, like you're on anti... I, I don't know exactly what you're dealing with, but you say you're on antipsychotic medication. There's this thing called retroactive delusions. You might be suffering that. Well, what's interesting, and again, we have to take this at as she's writing this narrative. I find this absolutely fascinating. Monica edited her original post. And gave more information. And a photo. She took two pictures of a man in the garden next door. She goes, this is Charles. He's over there right now. And you go, Jason, well, if she's having a psychotic break that it could just be anybody. And she thinks that's the person retroactive delusions. Sure. Monica also says, I took the photos to my therapist. I contacted five of my old friends from school. My friends confirmed that he worked at one school or another at different times. That Charles was real working at these schools. Crazy story. Again, so now we know that Charles was... Again, we don't know if he was following her, he, but the therapist is taking it seriously, right? Like, this is the thing. Obviously, if the police get involved, if they talk about stalking or anything like that, and he goes, no, I only worked at one elementary school. And the cops will be like, oh, well, then she might be having this delusion that you've been following her around. Who? But see, again, like, who knows? Maybe he's just the neighbor of the house. We don't know. And I know people like, well, you're like, Jason, what if they get law enforcement involved and he gets falsely accused of all that stuff? That totally sucks. Don't get me wrong. I'm not advocating that. But obviously you can, if her story is true, there's something wrong. And with other people able to confirm it, that like, yeah, he was the janitor. And then someone else going, yeah, I remember him in high school, too. I mean, is that illegal to change schools? No, but it's weird. There's a so bunch of teachers out there right now. They're like, no, it's not weird. It. I would say it would be weird if you change schools with a particular student. Right? Am I wrong? <laughs> Can every teacher stop listening to my podcast? It's creepy. It's creepy. Did he do anything technically illegal? Well, here's the thing. Again, I'm kind of bouncing around on this because when I was reading it the first time, I thought she's having a delusion. Like even when I was reading the narrative, I was like, this is weird that this guy keeps changing jobs. And when she got to the Part about the medication, I was like, oh my god, she's having a delusion. And now, at the end of the story, I don't know. I don't know if she just took a photo of a neighbor who might have happened to work at this school. But apparently, out of the five friends, some recognized him from one school, some recognized them from another, so I don't know. But if the allegations are real, and he's been following her around, you have to wonder, you would wonder, are there... All he's done is made her feel completely... I'm not saying that's all he did, but she doesn't feel comfortable around him. She doesn't feel safe at home. Those are pretty big things. You have to wonder if there are other victims out there of even more heinous crimes. A nonverbal girl, you know. Generally, people in special needs have a very, very high risk factor for anything of, you know, abusive nature. Crazy story though, like I had never heard of a retro just the idea of the retro originally I was just going to do the segment about retrograde delusions because I never heard anything like that I go oh, that's perfect, and then when I went back to kind of go through my notes, I saw that she'd added all this extra stuff so fascinating story who is Charles is he really this creep following her I mean imagine if she's telling the truth and now he's working at her neighbor's house and trying to get in the into her house, like that's ter- that's terrifying on a totally different level. She's having a psychotic delusion. That's sad, but that we have tools to treat that, and it's scary too. People just walking down the street being wrapped up in this web of conspiracy. But if she's telling the truth. Crazy, crazy story either way. Spice, let's go ahead and touch the keys of the gardener helicopter. we're leaving behind this neighborhood. Fly us all the way out to Thailand. Specifically, we're headed out to the Rayong province in Thailand. It's June 4th, 2023. Nine one one what's your emergency? Hello, yeah, um, this probably isn't an emergency, but I don't really know the regular phone number to call for the police. <laughs> so that's, that's what everybody does, right? And yeah, no one knows the regular number. anyways, there's something really stinky in my neighborhood, like really stinky, and it's coming from a rented room nearby. I was wondering I was wondering if you could send some cops over to check. Woo, 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 woo! Police are driving. I don't think they're running their sirens. They're like, "We got a code three, guys. Smelly room." Woo, woo, woo! Police show up at this rented room in the Rayong province, and open up! It's the police. They're holding their—they're <laughs> holding their nose. They got clothespins on their nose. Open up! It's the police. No one answers the door. So they probably just walk in. I don't think they kick down the door. Again, this is not urgent at all. It's just a smelly, smelly place. But the cops bust through the window, battering ram the door. They walk in and they find the body of Chaya Yam. Now, some of you guys may know that name. Apparently, this is. I this is. There's a couple different interesting things about this story. This is one of them. Chaya Yam was 77 years old. And he's dead in his room. Unfortunately, you know that happened. 77 it's kind of old, right? A lot of times I call people in their 20s or 30s kids. Someone in their 60s, I go, oh, I died so young. 77. <laughs> 77, it's getting up there. 77-year-old, former... Technically everything's former at this point, but seventy-seven year old former famous DJ. Now try looking for this guy. To see first off what was he DJing? Like the nineteen forties? He's like, ah, the newest hit from the big brass band. Waka waka waka. like who who was DJing when this guy was in his thirties? That would have been forty-four years ago. DJ Preparation H. I don't know. I tried looking to see... <laughs> he clearly wasn't Skrillex, you numbskull. He just meant that he played albums at weddings and stuff like that. No, but it said he was famous. It said he was a famous DJ. So, I? maybe he didn't have to scratch the tables and stuff like that. But I don't think if he was just walking around with the electric shuffle or the Zumba slide or whatever that thing is, That dances, he's bringing in his records. He was famous. He was a former famous DJ named Chaya Yam, and now he's dead. So, if you have his autograph, it's worth a lot of money. You're like, oh, he's at my bar mitzvah. You have this dead 77 year old man in his apartment, and according to police, he'd been dead for about three days. Now, you figure, imagine if you walked into your house tomorrow and there was a dead 77-year-old person in your house. You'd be like, (laughs) like, oh, he escaped the basement. I'll have to build a better trap next time. If you walked in and saw a dead 77-year-old person, you'd be like, that guy clearly just died (laughs) of my saw traps. Uh, You've decided to become old. Now try to break out of this rusty cage that's older than you. You figure he died of natural causes, right? He's 77 years old. You know, it's unfortunate, but people do age. Bodies break down. But I'm not a cop, right? If I saw a 77-year-old dead dude, I might go, oh, he probably had a heart attack. (laughs) If I rolled him over, I'd say he's riddled with gunshots. I'm like, ah, I don't know. That's a lot of work rolling him over. The police obviously have to investigate this. The police come in and they go, well, he probably had a heart attack. But... We should find out. We should at least roll his body over, see if there's any horrible wounds. Well, while they're investigating this, they find his diary. It would be a nice little little tidbit, right? A dead man's diary. You sit down and you start reading it. And apparently this diary talks about physical illnesses that he was going through. And the police are probably like, yeah, that's what I thought, you know, he's old. And he is dead. He probably wasn't a picture of health. Being dead and all. Also, in this diary, it talked about spirits. Talked about the ghosts. Talked about the paranormal forces in his little tiny room that made it unable for him to live any longer. And apparently he had such kind of like a mental breakdown. He just wasn't able to take care of himself anymore. And it wasn't just the, you know, crushing weight of being 77 years old. Your bones probably hurt at that point. It wasn't just the fact that his DJ career, you know, he had a pretty big DJ career back in the 1920s. And now he's just sitting in a little room. It wasn't just that. It was the paranormal forces that made him just kind of break down mentally and physically. Here's a quote from this diary. It says, quote, there are ghosts. There are ghosts in this room every night. The temple where I am staying is powerful. I don't think he lives in a temple. I don't know what that means. There might be a (laughs) translation. You're like, wait, I'm totally picking. I was imagining this little tiny rented room. He's living in a temple. He's a monk. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. I think that's probably a translation error. But maybe not. I don't know. It says the temple... (laughs) Actually, now I'm thinking about it. (laughs) He's in the temple of doom. Like, he's worried about paranormal forces. People are getting their hearts ripped out of the next room. He's like, keep it down. Keep it down. The temple where I'm staying is powerful. I don't know if they want me to make some merits for them. They come to torment me. My karma. No one believes me when I tell them. They think I am ridiculous. I don't know what to do. I am extremely tormented. They are everywhere, day and night, interfering with everything. I will die a nervous wreck. Signed, Chaya Yam. If I was a cop, And I came across the dead man, and I found his diary. I would totally read it, right? Because I would want to know all the gossip. (laughs) I'd want to know what he said about me. You're like, Jason, this guy doesn't know you. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe he does. I'm reading the diary. At the ending, if it said, I'm just going to die right now, goodbye, and then he signed it, I'd be like, this is obviously a murder. Obviously. (laughs) I just pointed to that page and like, no, he had a heart attack. I was like, a murderous heart attack? I always think it would be fun to be a cop, but I'm such a contrarian that if all the evidence pointed to one person, I'm like, it's that guy over there. I'm all pointing at the chief of police. It's like, what? I just walked in the building. I'm such a contrarian. I would always root for the guy. Oh, I shouldn't say root. <laughs> There's a dude covered in blood. I was like, oh, he's innocent. Go that dude. But I would always pick the person who didn't seem like the killer. He also wrote messages all over the walls. Of his apartment. And they basically talked about not gathering negative karma. Which is good advice. Good advice. And to this is a good one too. Treat your neighbors like you would treat your family. Pretty, pretty good advice. He seemed like these spirits were attacking him because he had bad karma. That he had throughout his life accumulated too much negative karma. And these ghosts were coming after him. And basically... They believe that this old man, Chaya Yam, died of natural causes, but he's not the first person to die in this very room. Apparently one, the first one who died in this room, that at least is on record, hung himself. Second one died of unknown causes, and the third one is Yam, Chaya Yam, who apparently died a natural death. But would it be a natural death if ghosts were like, I, mean, I don't think it will show up on the coroner's report. It's like, he was frightened to death, sir. Look at his hair. It's perfectly white. But imagine, I mean, that would be terrifying. You're, you're an old man. Your DJ career is long gone. You're just sitting in your little room, apparently in a temple. There's a kid and an adult driving by in a mine cart every once in a while. And he's sitting there. And imagine, like, all these ghouls floating around and being like, yeah, you got too much negative karma, Yam. Yeah, Yam, too much negative karma. Treat your neighbors like they were your family, Yam. Yeah, why didn't you do that? And he's like looking at all these ghouls floating around his apartment. He's like, no, no, that'd give you heart attack. I mean, listen, I don't care how healthy you are. If every night you're like, ah, oh, yes, Time for the peaceful slumber that all humans must partake of. You just want to close your eyes, but then there's a bunch of like goblins dancing on your bed, being like, you're going to die (laughs) soon. You're going to die. I mean, they're right. Technically, they're predicting the future. And that's really how I wanted to wrap this up. The amount of physiological stress that the body must go through when it encounters the paranormal. And I think it's something that we really overlook. I don't want to go off on a huge rant about it, I know right when I said that, everyone looked at their phones and they're like, "Oh, right, it has 20 minutes left of this podcast. Oh, no. But anyways, I don't want to go on a huge rant. But it would make sense. It would totally make sense. We are, as, as much as I believe that the paranormal world is fairly natural, it's there. It's part of our existence. Not everyone experiences it, but it's always there. The ocean is natural, but being on it all the time isn't good for you. Your legs stop working, and you're dry. I mean, you're like, what, are you walking on water? No, like, say you spent your entire life on a boat and never walked on land. You were a baby born on a boat. And they're like, I will call you Poseidon. And the little baby's like, yeah. And then, like, you're seven, and you're like... (laughs) (laughs) You said now to think about it, what would happen to you? I think your innards would turn to jelly if you were a baby born on a boat and you never stepped off the boat, like where well, the boat would dock, and they're like, Not you, Jimmy, you stay on the he's <laughs> like I thought mean, was Poseidon. They're like, ah, there's a little too highfalutin. You're Jimmy now. Jimmy, you stay on the boat, you you get them watery legs together. I imagine, like, imagine if you then took that kid when he was like 25. And you put them on land. That has to do something. Because astronauts floating around. That messes with them being in zero gravity. And water is like extra gravity. Because it's constantly moving. You figure that. I wonder if anyone's ever. <laughs> no one's ever. Had ba- I'm sure people have had babies on boats. But they let them get off. No one's ever been like. No this is an experiment. A 15 year long experiment. It's going to mess with your body. Ghost floating around you is going to mess with you. It's going to stress you out if that's what you're constantly seeing. Especially in the place where you're supposed to relax. If you're like a professional ghost hunter and you're going out to these locations, I mean, who knows? Maybe it does take a couple months or years off their lives. We, the idea of the professional ghost hunter is fairly recent. We obviously had spiritualists back in the late 1800s in America, and we've had people who, you know, like shaman and things like that, but the professional ghost hunter, the people going and connecting with these hostile, like finding the craziest haunted places and going there with the camera crew, I'm not going to be shocked if these people don't don't make it to the age of 77. Because they're putting themselves under a lot of psychic trauma and that can bleed down into physical trauma. And if you lived in a place that was haunted, especially by these... Entities that were tormenting him over past wrongs. Because that's something we can't fix. We did it. It's done. You move on. Or you obsess over it. Or you block it from your mind. Or you try to make amends. I mean, some stuff you can obviously make amends for. But not everything and imagine if you were 77 years old i know people are probably like when they're older go oh man i really shouldn't have done those things but then you go but i did and i just got to move on with it imagine if every time you go well it's in the past (laughs) a goblin showed up and goes well it is in the past but your actions have reverberated through time and they're like letting you know all the stuff that happened afterwards you're like thanks that happening every single day has to take a toll on you so I wonder what the long-term physical effects are on people who have negative paranormal experiences. And again, I don't think it's something that anyone's ever looked at. Alien encounters tend to <laughs> alien encounters tend to knock a little bit of time off your life just because they are physically demanding, getting abducted if there's any sort of experimentation done on you you know a lot of times people have like radiation illnesses we've covered a few stories and it's very common in ufo lore it's very common in ufo lore where the abductee or the experiencer dies a couple years if not sooner after the experience but as far as the paranormal goes we usually have people and this is super rare ghosts or demons killing people is super 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 rare we see it a lot in the movies it almost never happens. It's very immediate. And as far as I know, there's been no studies done, no exploration of what the long-term physical... You imagine the mental effects isn't going to be good, but the long-term physical effects. If you're constantly surrounded by the paranormal and seeking out the worst, and sometimes people like Chaya Yam just happen to find themselves in one of the worst locations. He didn't choose to do this. He was just happened to be in this vortex of negative energy. What it what does it do to your lifespan if you're constantly moving from malicious entity to malicious entity? Some people do this for fun. Some people have no interest in the paranormal and they end up just experiencing it. Finding a room that's just the right price, moving into it, hoping for a little bit of peace and quiet, but getting the exact opposite tormented until the day that he died chaya yam knew that his life was almost over he was writing in his diary and he knew why he just couldn't deal with it anymore His his body was basically shutting down because of this metaphysical torment And while this particular room, I'm sure it's vacant, I'm sure it's up for rent now, and someone may move into it, into that area, you imagine the neighbors would be like, don't. You imagine the neighbors would be like, hey, I know it's a really good deal, but a couple people have died there. You got to wonder how many other apartments and homes, cabins out there in the world, have this type of evil energy living inside of it. Chaya was not the first to die tragically in this house. Psychic landmines scattered throughout the world. You may be looking for a nice place to stay. You may just be checking out a hotel room for the weekend. But you never know what type of evil energy lurks inside that place. Until you see it. Until you feel it. Until it surrounds you. And by then, it may be too late. Radio at gmail.com is going to be your email address you can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio tiktok is at deadrabbitradio Dead Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast you don't have to listen to it every day i'm glad to listen to it today have a great one.